0: Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. But have many remember what this year is. Because you understand, um, I'm not going to minister that Sunday. I got some other things to do. Um, so I wanted to kind of um, end out a Wednesday night on reminding us of what this year was because you have, what's today, the 20th? You have thir- 11 days to get your mouth together. <laughs> All right, to rekindle what you started saying, to check up on yourself, and make sure that you, because here's the thing, just because there was an emphasis in the area of our mouths this year, it was raining residents, which means our decree should go beyond our lifetime. Okay? And that there's power in our words. We're going to see this again tonight. Uh, But you understand it doesn't stop when 2024 hits. Because, you know, what I am extremely aware of is that when God brought us into 2017, and He said, Pastor Earl, this is your year to equip the saints, you're going to deal with equipping like never before, and we started on a journey that's produced a book, and it took three years to do that because then 2018 came and we did it again, 2.0, and we did Equipped again, uh, 3.0. Then we got to 2020 and it was year to rain. <clears throat> and we've been talking about raining ever since. But what's interesting is in the year to rain was the year the world shut down. And God had given us three years as a corporate body, not that we aren't equipping, because man, if you've not been to Anchor Faith Church long, uh, let me just let you know what goes on here. I mean, we have services on Sunday, and on Sunday, before you even come into service, you can do an Anchor Faith Live class. There are three that are running uh, each Sunday that you can attend to continue to grow and develop as a believer. We are into discipling the saints, because the Bible says go make disciples, not converts. Although we have um, evangelistic things that we do, uh, we are very purposeful in discipling the believer. Okay, and so you can do that. Then, then if you're not doing one of those classes, you can come to corporate prayer at 9.30. 10.30, we're hitting um, our classes. If you are a vision partner on Sunday night, you can attend our Kingdom Institute by which you would take three classes, right? And then you can be discipled there. If you are a male, that is a male by birth, you can then attend our 3.18 classes on Monday night. Okay, and so that's a three-year um, commitment as well. Um, so we have that discipleship. Then our women at various times through the year, they go through some additional training, uh, discipleship through books and various Uh, meetings. Same thing. We do some general sessions with men, not to mention our Wednesday night that we do here at the church uh, where we're always training people and doing stuff. I mean, we're constantly in a position where we are uh, wanting the disciple or the saint to grow up and mature. But there was an emphasis throughout those three years of what it means to actually be equipped. And as you remember, one of our contexts was, if all you do is educate the body of Christ, and this is in our book equipped, there's some great uh, uh, stuffing stockers out there, stocking stuffers, (laughs) thank you, out there, (laughs) um, is that if all a church does is educate their body, the best they can produce is a Pharisee. Because God never intended for the five-fold ministry to only educate the body, he ex- expected them to equip them, and equipping is more than education. Amen. Okay? And so, you know, we endeavor to do that here. Um, so when we came through those three years, we found out who developed an equipped body. Because when the world shut down, the church that Jesus Christ is building prospered yes. and flourished during that trial. Amen. It continued to grow, it took its persecution, but it did not back down, and it is thriving today. Amen. Well, then we get into raining, and this may be our theme till Jesus comes, which could be very soon, extremely soon, super soon, that's why we're probably talking about all the things we're talking about by the Spirit, so you just need to look up and start practicing flying like Superman. Right? Because people are going to watch me go up and I'm not going to look stupid. How many of you are one of those 80s kids like me and there was that one show called The Greatest American Hero? Remember that show? And he lost the manual on how to fly. And he stunk at flying. I'm not going to look like that being caught up. And if you do, I'm going to tell you when we get to the Lord. You look like the Greatest American Hero guy. You should have been practicing. Say, well, Pastor Earl, how do I practice? We have gravity. Just jump out over on your bed. You know, see yourself flying, imagine it, have faith that you're gonna look good. Gotta believe God for some things you understand. Not like you're gonna just be doing somersaults all the way up screaming. <gasps> ah! No, you're gonna be like. All right. Hallelujah. So it's raining residents for 2023. <laughs> Amen, and it's concerning the kingdom principle of decree. A decree is, a a, a kingdom principle of decree is a royal decree is the declaration of a king that becomes law. It is sustained by the king's personal commitment to bring the declaration or promise to pass. What is a decree by just simple definition? It's an official order. Having the force of law given by a person with power or by a government. Okay, why are we talking decree? Well, if you've been at Anchor Church long, you know that we know that the Bible's not not a religious book. It's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. All right? And that's all the Bible's ever been about. And when we see in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, when God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let him have dominion, or rule, on the earth. So God created man in his image, in his likeness, so as God rules in heaven, man was to rule over the earth. Uh, as God wanted him to, and in turn, both heaven and earth would have had the same environment of which God came down to the cool of the day, spent time with Adam and Eve, no issue. But when Adam abdicated his throne by eating the fruit God told him not to eat, then he turned his power over to the devil, which is clearly outlined in Luke chapter 4 that he received that when he was tempting Jesus. He said, I'll give you all this domain in a moment of time for it's been handed over to me. It was handed over to him by the first Adam in the garden who rebelled against God, ate the fruit, and handed that power to the devil. Jesus Christ said, I came to destroy the works of the devil, right? which is the sin or rebellion against God's word. That's why Jesus only did what God said, because he's the last Adam. And all the miracles that Jesus performed in the four gospels we know were under the dominion that Adam had. What was that dominion? He had dominion over the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So it's not surprising when he can tell Peter, go out into the deep and put your net down, because fish will listen to him, because fish were gonna listen to the first Adam okay this is why he can say Peter go throw your hook in in the water and the first fish that comes is going to have your tax and my tax in it and that fish heard him when he gave that order or decree to Peter and when Peter obeyed that decree that fish obeyed the king's decree found the two coins and went and found Peter are you hearing me So we know this, again, Jesus could curse a fig tree pretty easy because it's a plant in the planet, right? He could speak to it. This is why he can multiply the loaves because they came from grain, which came from the earth itself, and it had to listen to him, okay? And so this is all about rulership. It's all about God being the ultimate king. Jesus is the king of? And who are those kings? We are are those kings. And we are not those kings when we get to heaven, we're those kings the minute we come into the kingdom of God. Because we are transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. A kingdom, the kingdom of God does have a physical place to it, but it's not necessary for it to be active. Just like it's not necessary for the United States to own every piece of real estate on the globe to enforce its policies. Because if you attack an embassy in a foreign territory, by all rights, our nation can come after your nation. And you are ambassadors for Christ, and when people try to attack the church, by all rights, you're authorizing God to send his special forces, they're called angels, and they will smoke you. There's not an army, nor a bomb big enough Are you hearing me? Because those guys are so stealth, they can get in behind enemy lines, push your button, let it blow up, and walk out. Hallelujah. So the church is not this beat down, you know, oh, we're just wringing our hands, wishing Jesus would come back. We are the most powerful force on the face of the planet. Amen. Now we are terrorized And there's tribulations that come to us because the world hates us and hates God. But we are not in the position of inferiority. We're in the position of power. And that's why we have mercy and compassion when we see people attack us because like, you just don't know. You don't know you're on the wrong side. You don't know you're on the side that's ultimately going to lose. And I'm going to respond in a way that you're not even used to in order to help open up your heart and your eyes to see so that you'll accept the same Christ that I did so you can get out of that junk and get into what we're in. Are you hearing me? So then, because God made man in his image and image of his likeness, we know that one of the very first assignments he did with Adam, when he took him in the garden, he brought him all the animals and he said to Adam, he said, you name them. Yes. Now, why did he do that? Because God declares with his words. And so he required then Adam to declare with his words as well. So our decree rests in what we um, hear Jesus saying, not in what the world is saying. Amen. Amen. And it is um, error to think that the whole world can have a unified idea, and for some reason we think that's God. When the majority of the world does not hold an allegiance to our king... And it always tries to come about it in a particular way uh, to discredit who uh, we serve. And so, you know, when the mass majority agrees on a thing, you should take a step back and say, hmm. Because again, we are not led by what we see or what we hear. We are led by the Spirit of God. And you know, he can tell you something different. Now, the world can be accurate, actually, concerning a condition. I'll give you a case in point. Isaac, you know, the son of Abraham, is in the land and there is a famine. And it's factual, there's a famine. And everyone is taking the advice of the land and that is go to Egypt, that's where you can prosper. But Isaac heard God and God said, don't you go to Egypt, you plant right here. Now do you think God knows there's a famine? Sure he does. Is he moved by it? No. No. I mean this is God getting rid of competition just to be honest with you. I'll just go ahead and get rid of all the competition let you be the only one in the land to plant. Then he does and he ends up having what the farmers call a bumper crop. I mean he has a hundredfold return and the transfer of the wealth of that area goes straight into Isaac. Why? Because he wasn't moved by what he saw he was only moved by what he heard. And we have to do that all the more as we see the day approaching is that we must become proficient at being led by the Spirit. Now, let me caveat that. The Holy Spirit will never say anything outside the alignment of his word. So if you come to me and say, I heard the Holy Ghost say, and it it is not in keeping with the scripture, I'll have to tell you you're not telling me the truth or I need to help you understand how to hear the Holy Ghost because that really wasn't his voice. Now, it probably was a spirit. It just wasn't the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will never speak against or violate truths within God's word. I'm not telling you he's going to give you specific scriptures. What I am saying is that whatever concept he gives you is going to have a biblical truth base to it whatever that leading is, and you'll be able to trust it emphatically without doubting and it will come to pass, amen? Amen? So then, um, God's word in your mouth is the same as God's word in his mouth if you are firmly persuaded the authority of God is in what you say. This is not just reciting scripture. This is being firmly persuaded that the word I just said God's authority is within it to perform it, period. And it cannot be any other way. And the easiest way to explain this one is you know, when you first came into the kingdom of God, okay? And the reason you want to use this one is because you didn't know Jack. Right, you just knew I ain't right with God. And somebody right now is telling me that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, that he he was born of the virgin, he died on the cross, he was dead for three days, but on the third day the Holy Ghost raised him, and I can't get to God by myself, I could not do it alone, I need what he did, his sacrifice, his blood, to take care of my sin issue, okay? So I, I call him Lord, which is not a religious word. It means supreme in authority. He is supreme in authority in my life. Okay? When you did that, when you made that confession, which is a scripture, at the end of the day, then you know you were born again. You didn't go and say, well, I hope I got it. Because if you said that, then you made a confession with your mouth without your heart. Because you can say God's word and not believe it. That's, right. That's what Pharisees do, right? That's what lost people do. You know, Jesus himself says, you know, they, they use my uh, word, you know, but their heart's far from me, okay? And so, uh, when you truly believe, I mean, it's every bit of your being, you are firmly persuaded that I am right with God and with this confession, I believe God. I believe God at His Word. Well then you know you're born again. And first John five thirteen confirms that he says, you know, that um once we've accepted Christ, we will know that we have eternal life. So I know I do. I mean, I know that. I have no doubt about that. I know that I am right with God. Now, why else do I know it? Because another scripture tells me that since I was born again, I became a new creature in Christ. But the Holy Ghost came and moved in on the inside and bore witness with my spirit. I'm a child of God. So I have the Holy Ghost telling me. Which again, sure he would tell me that because the scripture tells me he would tell me that. Now, what he wouldn't do is say, you're the most special one of all. Now, we're all special, but ain't none of us better than others. We all have equal access to the Father, but not all of us enjoy the benefits of the Father because not all of us accessing, although we have equality to do so. Now, we're not all equal because our assignments dictate what our Father needs us to have, and that doesn't show favoritism. That's just called placement. Are you hearing me? All right, because if that was a problem for you, then you'd have a problem when he said, well, I gave one, five, one, two, and one, one. Right. Right. But the five and the two, when they did what he knew they could do, what was his report on both of them? Well done. And that's pretty amazing. So again, we're not in competition with one another. We're just doing what God's called us to do to accomplish the task, amen? Amen. All right, I better get moving or I won't finish tonight. Okay, so with that being said, Psalms 33, verse nine. For he spoke and it was done. Man, you should just say that a hundred times. I mean, this one verse should be on your refrigerator, right? I mean, this right here gets you jacked up, right? For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood firm. That's our father. Our Father is not how some people, well, you know, if the Lord wants it or not, you know, well, I mean, our God is not like that. Our God does his word. So when someone's talking like that, then I, I know, okay, you haven't got, you have not sat down enough and heard the Father's word on it yet to have a confidence. And that's okay, but you need to have at least acknowledge that that I haven't, I do not have at this point such confidence that I've heard him on this matter because when he speaks, it's done. Now, I'm gonna add this to my book, Capacity When We Write It. Um, I was listening to Dr. Miles Moreau the other day and he made this statement. I thought, wow, I knew right then. I said, I'm gonna have to put that in that Capacity book when we write it. He said, you know, because the scripture says that the Lord knows the beginning from the end. end. And so he says this, if God starts something with you, it is guarantee that it's completed. Because he knows the beginning where? From the end. Which means then, he's not asking, if he's asked you start this, It's guaranteed it's completed. Because he never starts something that he hadn't already finished. Wow. You know, so people hear, oh, the Lord wants me. Don't be afraid. He's already got it mapped out. Your assignment in this process now is to be led by the Spirit and stay on the path. Let his words be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You're guaranteed. Amen. Now, that's if you're hearing right. Because, again, when the Lord says it, he's already had the end before he spoke the beginning. All right. So he spoke, it was done, he commanded, and it stood fast. Look at Psalms 148, verses five and six. He said, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they, and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Amen? Will not pass away. So, when the Lord speaks, that's why he's careful at what he says, he himself is obligated to the word he says. This is why, and you know I'm not gonna go down and teach this at this juncture because there's too many new people in here and I'm not gonna go there. But, when the Lord said to Adam... You can eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for the day you eat, you will surely die. die. That's gonna happen. Let me back up one. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Rule over what? The earth. They don't own the planet, but they are to rule the planet. So who now rules planet Earth? Man does, not God. Then he tells his man, you get to do this as long as you are obeying what I say. But if you eat this, you're going to die and we're going to be separated. Adam has never blown it his whole life. Never made a mistake, never sinned. Didn't even know what sin was. Then a tempter shows up in the garden right? Convinces Eve to eat the fruit of which she does. Adam totally rebels, eats the fruit, and then two things occur. A transfer of power doesn't go back to God, but goes to the voice they submitted to. Because notice, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil in Luke chapter 4, he said, all this domain's been given to me, um, you know, I can give to you, I have it, I can give it to you, give it to whoever I wish, because it's been handed over to me. Notice Jesus didn't say, it is written, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Notice he did not say that verse. He did not rebuke that thought. Okay. He said, I'll give this to you if you'll fall down and worship me. And he says, it is written. You're only going to worship God. That's all we're going to do. Because you don't know I have a plan to get it back legally. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? We got a plan you're unaware of. Okay. So then... The minute that takes place, God doesn't come down, because the way we talk about the Father today, you know, why didn't the Father just come down and say, Adam, where are you, right? He said, well, you know, um, we were naked and we hid ourselves. Well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat the fruit I told you? You weren't supposed to. Well, it was that woman you gave me. She ate it and gave it to me. He goes to Eve, right? You know he's blaming God, not Eve. So he goes to Eve and said, what have you done? She tells the truth, I was deceived. I ate the fruit from this serpent. So he goes to the serpent and he goes and says, okay, I'm, I'm obligated to my decree. So this is what we call an amendment. He said, well, I'm going to bring my seed through a woman because I can't use man. His seed's corrupt. So I'm going to bring my seed through the woman. <laughs> hmm. Okay, and, um, hmm, Joshua, where's Joshua? Surely, Joshua hates it when I do this too. I call him out, yeah, he probably is. Joshua, you're going to want to talk to me about God said to the serpent, I'll bring my seed through the woman, okay? Um, You'll crush his, you know, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. Again, we, we treat forgiveness so flippantly now. Uh, why didn't God just say, Adam, I forgive you. Let's just act like it didn't happen. I mean, you never made a mistake before. Because he's obligated to his word. Do you think he loved Adam? Sure he did. But love put Adam out the garden. He did that because his word he has to perform. He can't let emotions dictate his decisions. And that's the power of our words. Are you hearing me? Colossians 1:16 and 17, for by, all, by him all things were created both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Revelations 4.11, worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created at his word. Then when we get Jesus in the flesh, because he decreed he would come, because he can't stop death now in this way. Death's in the earth. So he's obligated to his word, said, well, I'll have to pay the price, because the wages of sin is? Yeah. Yeah. So somebody's got to die. So guess who dies? God. He puts his son in a skin suit, which is himself. He had fa- God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So." We know God, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, our God, the Second Person of God. So, in essence, God says, "I'll die. I'm going to do it. I'm the only one who can. I'm the only one righteous enough. I'm the only one who can redeem." He created the plan because the other plan's still in play. Man's dying, and man's dead. Didn't stop. But the alternative to come back in alignment with what God wanted for man, which is to have dominion, has now been reopened because of Jesus. Hallelujah. So Jesus then, when he, God gets in the flesh, God the Son in the flesh, we call him Jesus, notice how he functioned on the planet. It says this in John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, because Jesus knew he was a king. Right? Jesus knew he was a king. I mean, he said, you know, t- talking to the woman at the well, because the woman at the well is like, you know, can you tell me when the Christ, when they say the Christ, that's not Jesus' last name, as you know. That is title. That is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. That is the king who's coming, and he's going to set up his kingdom. There's going to be no end. They're looking for a king, they ain't looking for a lamb. But the king is the lamb and a lion. He had to be the lamb first. He's coming back as a lion, bro. I'm telling you, he is not coming back as a suffering servant. He is not coming back as a lamb. He is coming back as a lion of Judah with a scepter to rule. Okay? He's paid that price. He went to battle for you. He did not let the troops come. He said, I got this all by myself. I'll pay this price for you. But notice when Jesus wrapped himself in man, look how he functioned on the planet. Because, again, Jesus did not come to earth to let you know what he can do. He came to earth to let you know what you can do when you are in him. Because this is how man was supposed to function. That's why I said every miracle that Jesus performed was in the Dominion that the first Adam lost. So he says, for I do not speak on my own, but my Father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life, therefore therefore the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. We run off at the mouth because we have too much USA government in our way of life. Now what do I mean by that? You exercise your first amendment in God's kingdom. Now, let me just be honest with you. There is no First Amendment in the kingdom. Now, there's free will in the kingdom. But people who love God say, I just speak the word. Because, again, you realize this isn't about denying me. I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for him. He is the existence of life. To speak anything other than he says means I speak death. Again, we look at this thing as right and wrong, good and evil. But when it comes to God, this is life and death stuff. So your First Amendment right in the kingdom doesn't exist. But we sure use it in the USA church. Well, let me tell you what I think. Oh, freedom of speech. Okay. Right? I mean, that's like having the... Having Jesus Christ himself stand up here or the Holy Ghost, one or the other, and they tell you what they meant in the book and you argue with them. Well, I I just can't believe, I don't think it's that way, seriously. Let me tell you what I think, right? I, I have a right to say something. There's freedom of speech here. Well, you know what? God will let you think what you want and do what you want, but he'll hold you accountable to what you think and what you do. And it'd be according to his word. Again, so if anybody ever accuses you of being afraid of some groups or being certain ways, you're like, no problem. You, bro, you can do whatever you want to do. God will let you do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, you're going to be held accountable to what you did according to his word. At the end of the day, I'm not here to make you be different. I'm just saying you it's not my opinion in the matter. See, that's what ambassadors do. Ambassadors don't give their, I'm just telling you right now, in our U.S. government, our ambassadors are supposed to, I'm not saying that they all do it because I don't live around them, right? But by policy, an ambassador is not supposed to speak his opinion. Well, I really think the U.S. should do this concerning the Ukraine conflict, or I really think the U.S. should do this concerning the Israel and Gaza Strip conflict. Ambassadors don't do that, ambassadors say, I have no opinion in the matter, but our president's position is, and that's all they speak. That doesn't mean they don't have an idea, but we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. But what do we do? We bring our first amendment rights in on our marriages, we bring our first amendment rights in on our parenting, we bring our first amendment rights on how often we come to church, First Amendment rights concerning healing. I mean, we could, the list could go on. Uh, you know, I have no opinion in the matter. I only speak what the Father says, so what's the Father say concerning this subject that I'm in right now? Are y'all doing all right? All right, John uh, 14, verses 10 to 14 says this, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, the words that I say to you? I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Wow, what a guarantee. How awesome is that? Now, if only every uh, Jesus Christ confessing believer believed that. I mean, was firmly persuaded and got rid of their U.S. government thinking concerning the Bible. Then it would be this way. Oh man, their lives would be different. John 8, 28 and 29. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative. That doesn't mean he didn't have other thoughts. We know this. The garden lets us know that. When he's in the garden... Praying to his father just before he's handed over to be beaten so bad you can't tell he's a man and to be scourged and have stripes put on his back so that we can walk in the divine health care or kingdom health care while we remain in the earth. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. Yeah, Three times. Three times. Hallelujah. But he put it down. And do you think he was suffering emotionally? I mean, this is three years of ministry. Three years of raising dead people, healing sick people, uh, um, uh, giving finances away, feeding people, delivering people from demons and devils. I mean, everybody's seeing his miracles all over the place, and now a mob's come to kill him. This is the things I get? (laughs) I mean, even the most solid person can get a little aggravated at that. It's like, really, Lord, I'm dying for these people here. I mean, as much as we've seen, (laughs) I mean, and they still can't figure this out. But what did he do? Not my will, but your will be done. He said, I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always, say always. Always, always do the things that are pleasing to him. And again, that word pleasing, you have to know that in context. Anytime you're seeing this word pleasing to him, that is the context of faith. Because Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please him. And we saw on Sunday that verse 5 talks about how Enoch was pleasing to God because by faith, Enoch just went on home, which means the Lord told him, son, I could just bring you up here and save you for another time. I got a different purpose for you. And he believed that and left the planet in his flesh. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, so... He was always pleasing, which means he was always in faith, he was always believing Father at his word. Where does that bring us to us in our decree to remind us? Mark chapter 11, 22 to 24, right? Huh? My dad's name was Enoch, that is true. My dad's name was Enoch. My father, um, unfortunately, did not care for his name. But it's probably because he rebelled against God anyway. Uh, Not till the later part of his years he did get born again, and he's present with the Lord. Hallelujah! But he did not like his name, so he used the pseudonym Earl instead. So when my wife, my, my my wife, but my mom got pregnant with me or and had me because they didn't have what you were having back then, and I came out and it was a boy. So They had a name picked out. They were gonna call me Gregory Frank at one point. That was really my second name. My first name was gonna be Stephen Paul. Yeah. Right? But, My father's brother had a son 18 months earlier and called him Stephen Michael or Michael Stephen. I don't remember now. I just called him Steve, so I don't remember if it's a middle name or whatever. So I lost Stephen Paul because of that. Um, So then my mom was thinking about Gregory Frank. Frank happened to be his father. I don't know where Gregory comes from, to be honest with you. Um, But my dad's like, I may not have another son, so I would rather him you know, have my initials, but he didn't like his name. His full name was Enoch Washington Glisten. Right? So, and here's the thing about Enoch, it was a family name. It was in every generation. Tell me. Yep. So, he wanted EWG, so he went with his pseudo- name, because he went by E.W. so much so they didn't even know how to spell his name. When he was in sixth grade, they said, write out your name, put E.W. Glisson. They said, no, your full name. He couldn't spell Enoch Washington, because he never spelled it. They always called him E.W. He was from Georgia. I get it. I mean, he was from Georgia. I mean, that's true, is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. So anyway. I got Earl Wayne Glisten, but Earl is noble, and I appreciate that at the end of the day. My wife didn't like Enoch either, so it didn't make it any of my sons, but my daughter brought it back into the bloodline with Caius, Caius Enoch Fouché, so he'll be an Enoch that gets called up. I believe it, in Jesus' name. All right. Side story. Thank you. Mark 11, and I was on time to finish early. (laughs) So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. One translation says, have have the God kind of faith. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, you will have them. So there's power in our words, we know this. We've talked about this all year and you gotta make sure you always recognize this because the more and more we're being bombarded by social media and all kind of stuff and the hours, if you don't watch out are being bombarded, you're gonna say stuff that you should not decree. Okay, your words have power, period, because God is going to judge us by every idle word. So that's why he said, be quick to hear, slow to open your mouth. Reminds me of the movie Titanic at the end when they're all on the boat and the one lady was screaming, he says, shut that hole in your face. (laughs) Husbands, you need to let your wives have permission when you start speaking out of of linemen of the word, say, shut that hole in your face. That's not what a king would say connected to Jesus. Amen. 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 So again, at the end of the day, you're going to have what you say. The key here is you don't doubt. So this is not magical thinking. It's not wishful thinking. These are not, this is not like, um, this is not a, um, a spell, right? You know, a little magical spell that a little enchant, that you enchant and it comes. No, this is a firm persuasion because you will say what you firmly believe. All right, it's going to come out. That's why Proverbs 18, 21 says it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's both fruit. You can eat death or you can eat life. It's entirely up to you. But you're saying it. Because there are two laws out there. Right? There are two laws out there. And let's just go there. Romans chapter eight, verse two. says, for the law of the spirit of life, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is a law in play with sin and death. If you speak according to that law, you will decree that law and you'll get what that law demands. But if you'll speak from the other law, and this is new covenant stuff, okay? Because people who says the law is done away with are ignorant of the word. Okay, it's just ignorance of the word because they take stuff in such a little nugget and it's so wrong. Jesus actually said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. First thing he said. But you understand, things are not off the books because thou shalt not kill is still in this covenant. Okay, all right. Obviously, we're not sacrificing to animals. Jesus is the sacrifice. My point is, is there is a law in effect. It's called the law of the of life, the, the spirit of life in Christ. So when you speak what Christ speaks, you speak life. And then it has to be created based upon that. So if you keep calling, you know, your kids stupid, dumb, they're never going to obey you. Well, guess what? You're keeping an environment in your home. Now again, they are free will, they can do what they want, but there's no reason for you to have a counter environment. I mean, they're gonna have a challenge in and of themselves. You might as well call them something else. Same thing with your spouse. You should call them what the Bible says, even if they act different. At least create the environment that life can show up. I mean, it's easy to call those things that are as they are but we're faith people. Amen. Amen. Now, some things I'm calling because they are and because it's life. You know, when I say my wife is better than silver and gold, that's not faith. That's reality. It's happened. I have what I say because she loves God and she does it. And she is very proficient at putting down her flesh and not walking according to her personal desire in any matter. And I am, the, I am a beneficiary of that type of person who's living by faith and loving God and the fear of the Lord like that. I understand that. It's not because I declared it by myself, but I sure declared it before she knew it because I used to call her a woman of God before she would even believe she could be a woman of God. She was just glad she was going to heaven. Right? You've heard her testimony. She said I was raised in the church. She was raised heathen. And at the end of the day, we both got touched by God, and he's done something amazing in our lives. And neither one of us picked what we're in. We just said yes. I mean, that's it. You know, you could say, well, you were born to do this. Yes, I was. I had to find that out. I didn't know that when I was born. I didn't know he called me into this. Because I had my own plans. In the fourth grade, I was going to be an astronaut. And what an awesome report I did. Yeah. And in the eighth grade, I was still kind of pursuing it because I actually applied to the Air Force Academy. Yeah, I got a great score on the SAT in the eighth grade that I went ahead and submitted an application of which they wrote me back and say, we love your scores. But you need to graduate. (laughs) Okay. Okay kind of ironic. One time I was watching the Air Force Academy play a a football game and a guy was on their team that had the last name Glisten. Yeah. It never would have been me. I was too small. I I don't know. They might be kind of desperate in the Air Force to actually have players on the football team. (laughs) Don't you think, King? They probably were desperate, especially when I was in high school. I might have made it. Anyway, I didn't make it. My father died 15 days after I graduated and I became highly unfocused. So anyway, what we're saying or decreeing, life and death are in our mouth and this is always in play. So again, even though God wanted us to emphasize, I think God just needed us to really focus and I hope you've been doing that this year. And I hope you've seen that there's been things done different in your life this year because you've been focused on what you've said. And continue to do this and again, you're not better, we're just doing what he says and when we do what he says, we have it. Amen. We're guaranteed it and it's life just keeps showing up around us. Now there's trials and tribulation, but we're able to speak through that because we have life. And we choose not to call the problem the problem. We find God's answer. Aren't you glad God's got an answer? There's nothing more draining than to be around people who all they wanna do is point out the problem. I mean, everybody can do that. That's the easiest thing to do, is find a problem. It's a whole other breed when you begin to say, yeah, that's a problem, but that's an answer. How do we fix it? How do we not get stuck now at this problem? We're going to have the answer that gets us in restoration and reconciliation and you know recovery and love or whatever. Makes us better. All right. Um, Matthew 12, 37 says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So again, what's going on? What's wrong with your life? You. Nobody else. See, I've learned to speak such with my words that even if people are creating a negative environment towards me with their words... Because here's the thing, the words I speak have more power. You, I mean, you got to kind of imagine sometimes. I mean, just think, if someone's bombarding you with constant negativity, you know, and that seems extremely powerful because some people just let that weigh them down. But you understand, I have a, one word from God that can obliterate. All that. Obliterate. If I believe what God has said about me, let me say this. Yeah, thank you, Lord. The way that you know that your words have power is when you first believe God's word about what he has said about you. Because the minute you know what God has said about you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? I don't care what you've been through, how you were raised, what happened in your life, where you came from, what kind of atrocities happened. Doesn't matter. Minutes you got blood bought, man. Minute you got up underneath the blood and you got into the kingdom of God and, and you begin to renew your mind and begin to realize who God has made you to be. Well, then at that point, nobody's negative words can touch me because you ain't talking to me. So what that does, it has eradicated all insecurities. I don't have one. How can I have an insecurity when the king has called me his favor, his beloved, right? How can I, his child, how can I have any insecurity? That's my old life talking and it's dead. I said it's dead. It doesn't exist anymore. So I don't let somebody come talk to me about my past or my perceived past or what they want my future to be. I only speak out of my nature. And when you know that, then you can say, boom. And it just erupts. Because again, they they have what the Bible would call dark sayings. And minds full of light. And there's no place that darkness is overcome, will ever overcome light unless you put the light out. And I'm telling you, in these last days, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. So you need to talk up yourself. Man, you fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not conceit. That's God's confession over you. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I mean, that's what he said about me. Right? So again, I'm only saying what God said. So I have no inferiority complex. First Peter 3.10, four... The one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Peter actually got that from Psalms 34, 13, if you want to write that down. Proverbs 13, 3 says it this way. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So you don't don't want to be known as a person who talks all the time. Now that doesn't mean you don't know how to carry on conversation. Because there's some people who are extremely gifted to be able to carry on conversation. I have no problem with that. Um, some personalities lend to that. I'm just saying you need to be aware of what you're saying. You need to become very aware of what you're saying so that your words are intentional, exact, right? And, and let me just say this. You're gonna say more when things are positive You'll say, you'll say less when things are negative. When I say less, that just means you'll hold your tongue more to make sure you know what you need to say before you say. When everything's going good, it's easy just to talk. But when things start going bad, you shouldn't try to retaliate quick. You should be listening in here. Not what this is saying. What, how do I respond, Lord? Lord. Because again, it's slow to speak because I'm hearing from the inside on how to speak life, decree the right thing. Last verse tonight is 1 John 5, 14. Well, two verses. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his what? Will he? God always hears his word. In fact, the Bible says that he is going to and fro Um, looking um, to perform his word. His word will not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. He's always looking over his word to perform it. So when we begin like Jesus, only speak what we've heard the Father say when we declare and decree it as a king in the earth who represents the king, Jesus Christ. Then we know he hears us. And then verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, which we do, he hears his own word. In whatever we ask, we know that, that we have the request we have asked of him. So again, our decree is not our own personal idea and we're making God submit to us. Our decree is his will for us in our situation or for our lives, whatever the case may be, or it could be a word of knowledge for someone else's life because for whatever reason they just happen to not be here in the Holy Ghost. Okay, in any of those occasions, we're there to speak life. We are, we're speaking what God, which will speak life, and it will cause, you know, us to be able to move in the things that God's ordained for us. Our decree always rests within his word. His word is where the power is. God exalts his word even above all of his name. When everything's said and done, heaven and earth will pass away. And when I say that, that mean they will cease to exist. They'll be changed, but his word will never end. So you want to get into real maturity as a believer? You know and do, not know alone. Know and do his word rightly divided, and nothing can stop you. Because you'll hold all the authority. Just like nothing could stop Jesus. He could not be stopped on the planet. He had to lay down his life. I mean, think about it, the beatings they did on him couldn't kill him. Okay. The only reason death exists is because sin, and when did Jesus sin? He didn't. He became it. That's why Jesus has to say, it is. And he gave up his spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. <laughs> so when you're in the perfect will of God, doing nobody can stop you. Nobody. Now you're educated. Exit strategy or God's will for you may be like Paul. Paul knew, and so did Peter for that matter. It's time to go, we just happened to go because someone's gonna cut our heads off. And it's permissible this time. But before you couldn't do it. You couldn't kill me in the sea. You couldn't beat me with rods and kill me. You, you couldn't even keep me dead when you stole me and drug me out of town. When Paul said, I knew a man in body or out of body, I don't know, called it to the third heaven during that time. And the Lord said, you ain't done. Get back in your body. We got things to do. And then he walked back into the same town of the people who stoned him. I mean, that's bold stuff right there. Are you hearing me? And then John, they bowl him and all, and he's still alive. I'm not done. Are you hearing me? I mean, we're unstoppable force. What can man do to us? So you got to make sure your mouth is always in alignment with the kingdom. Amen? All right. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchorfaith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment, or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.